That is one of the new songs from my friend Jake Bond. Now, that's Jake Bond, not James Bond. And his artist name is Thief to King. Thief to King. So he's on Apple Music and Spotify. You've got to check out his latest EP. So it's three songs that he released. This one is called We Rejoice in Our Lord. And it's from Psalm. The lyrics are taken mainly from Psalm 33. At the end of today's episode, I'll play my favorite of the three songs, and so stay tuned for that. Now, you you may think, wow, he is really, really fast, and that's maybe because you have the podcast speed turned up. So I'll give you a warning at the end of today's episode to go back to 1x if you're listening to me really fast. I'm a, I'm a slow, slow talker, so a lot of people speed me up as they're listening. So anyway, um, so I'm very excited about his EP. He's got other songs as well. I really enjoy his music because the overwhelming majority of his lyrics are right out of Scripture. So he spends a lot of time studying the Bible and coming up with with biblically sound lyrics. Uh, The other day, my kids and I were putting out mulch in our yard, and we've got some outdoor speakers, and I had his music playing, and it was so cool hearing my girls sing along scripture um, with with his songs. So I, I just love his music and wanted to share it with you. So that yeah, this is not like any kind of paid advertisement or anything. I just reached out to him um, because he just released this album and said, I'd love to share uh, your music with my listeners. So hope you enjoy it. Again, that's Thief to King. Now, today's topic, we've been talking about Jehovah's Witnesses for the last few episodes. And just a reminder, there's a, there's a lot of things with Jehovah's Witnesses that you may have heard. Today, we're going to talk about the 144,000. But but as a reminder, you got to try to stick to the main thing. And I think the main thing when it comes to Jehovah's Witnesses is they reject, the, they reject belief in the Trinity. And uh, specifically, they think the Holy Spirit is just like an impersonal energy force and that Jesus is a created being and not the eternal creator of all things. So they they believe that Jehovah created Jesus, who then created all other things. Their, their translation of the Bible in Colossians 1 even adds the word other in there. They just it's never found in any Greek manuscript, but they insert the word other create you know creates all other things um to to try to justify or support their belief. They just add that word in there. So that's a really important doctrinal issue. And I think that's the main thing you want to focus on when you're talking to Jehovah's Witnesses is who does the Bible say Jesus actually is? And so I've spent some episodes talking about that. Now, most of the time when you hear the the phrase Jehovah's Witness, you may think of the number 144,000. So even if you don't know much about their beliefs, you know that at least in some way they have some kind of strange belief or they put a lot of importance on 144,000 in some way, okay? So if if that's where you are, then that's what we'll talk about today. All right? Now, you if you have questions, you can always connect with me bear christianity at gmail.com or at the real bear martin for Instagram. I'm on Twitter at bear for Christos. All right, so the basics. Here's what I used to believe and what most, or, or well, I would think most Christians, because I've heard this for, I've heard this stated a bunch of times from different people, all right? They'll say, oh, those Jehovah's Witnesses, I can't believe that they think that only 144,000 people are going to be saved. 
that must be why they're working so hard to to try to be such good, you know, we'll say Christians, all right? Um, and so they so the common misconception is that Jehovah's Witnesses believe there's this small group of 144,000 people of all the Christians who ever live, and you've got to be so good that you're trying to make it into that group because that's the only people that will be saved. Everybody else is left out. So that is the error. That's not true. Jehovah's Witnesses believe that there are two basic categories of believers. Um, There's the 144,000. They're called the anointed class sometimes. Um, But there's the 144,000, and those people go to heaven and will reign with Jesus. Jesus is like the, the, the leader of that kingdom of heaven, and he and those 144,000 people sit on thrones in heaven, and they rule over the rest of the believers who are called the great crowd, and those people make up a, or they stay on paradise earth. So you have Jesus and the 144,000 are ruling and reigning over the rest of believers on paradise earth. Now, what happens to unbelievers? Unbelievers in Jehovah's Witness theology are basically annihilated. They they cease to exist in any way. So they don't really believe in like an eternal hell and punishment. Um, it's just that you cease to exist. All right. And so uh, so that's kind of the the basics there. Now here's here's why I think there's such a misconception because Jehovah's Witnesses believe that only 144,000 will go to heaven. And in, you know, like Christian circles that I grew up in, going to heaven is a phrase that's basically synonymous with being saved, right? So when you die, there's you either go to heaven if you're saved, and you go to hell if you're not saved. So I think that's where the misconception comes in, because Jehovah's Witnesses say only 144,000 go to heaven. We sort of take um, our own um, understanding of what it means to go to heaven and insert that, and and that's that's where the misconception, uh, the the error comes in, and so that brings me up to a really good point, and that is when you're talking to people of other religions, you've got to define terms. You've got to be very careful that when they say a, a word like faith or grace or righteousness or Jesus, you've you know early on in the conversation, you've got to stop and say, okay, but but tell me what that means. Tell me what you mean by that. Tell me who Jesus is to you. Is Jesus eternal or is he a created being? Is Jesus God in the flesh or is he just a, a good teacher or a prophet? You know, so you've you've got to get all the terms defined so that you can have a constructive conversation and you're not just talking past one another. You're you're using the same words, but they have different meanings. And so you, you'll never come to an understanding of what each other believe. All right. So that's just a reminder to define some terms if you're ever talking with people of different religions. All right. So the 144,000, where is that number found in the Bible? And why did Jehovah's Witnesses believe what they believe? All right. So it's in Revelation 7 and also chapter 14. Um, Revelation 7, verses 3 through 5, there's an angel with the seal of God. This seal is like a like a signet ring. You you in, in the good old days, you wrote a letter and you poured some wax on that envelope, and then you press down this seal in the wax, and that's what sealed the, the envelope. Okay. So uh, that's the, the angel has this signet ring, and John, who's who's writing Revelation, uh, says this. 
he heard the angel saying, do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of the sealed, 144,000, sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. 12,000 from the tribe of Judah were sealed, 12,000 from the tribe of Reuben, 12,000 from the tribe of Gad, and it goes on to list 12 tribes of Israel, 12,000 from each. So 12 times 12,000 is 144,000. So that's where the number comes from. JW.org is the official Jehovah's Witness website. It's a great resource. There are you know, There's an online Bible there. There's lots of articles and things like that. Uh, kind of the official name for Jehovah's Witnesses is the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society, and the Watchtower is is like a magazine, a, a, a Bible commentary of sorts that is very authoritative for Jehovah's Witnesses. So um, if, you, if you're talking to a Jehovah's Witness, the Bible, they will say is the Bible is, is above all the supreme authority, okay? Um, but this Watchtower, these Watchtower articles are like a really, really, really reliable source of information for Jehovah's Witnesses. So they're very important. And so you can, that, that's a, a reliable, you know, if you quote a Watchtower article, then that, you know, for a Jehovah's Witness, that has a lot of authority to it. So that's one of the articles that I'm, one of the main articles that I was using in researching this topic is called Who Go to Heaven and why, and it's from jw.org, so I'll leave a link of that. Now, here's a quote from that article. During his earthly ministry, Jesus often spoke of the kingdom of the heavens, or kingdom of God. That kingdom is a heavenly rule or government that Almighty God will use to accomplish his purpose. Jesus taught his followers to pray that by means of the kingdom, God's will would be done here on earth. Thus, under the rule of God's kingdom, the earth will become a delightful home for all mankind. So the 144,000 make up the kingdom of heaven. Um, They are also referred to by Jehovah's Witnesses as the little flock, and that is citing Luke 12, 32, which says, Jesus says, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. From the same article that I quoted above, says this, at Revelation 26, we read concerning those who would be resurrected to heavenly life. They will be priests of God and of the Christ and will rule as kings with him for the thousand years. Jesus Christ is the principal king and the high priest, and these faithful ones taken from the earth serve with him. As the Bible says, they will rule as kings over the earth. And then skipping down a little bit, it says, those taken from the earth to serve as heavenly kings and priests are persons who show full faith in God's provision for salvation through Christ. They are ones whose lives prove the devil a liar when he charged that men serve God only for selfish advantage. Jehovah has marvelously purposed to use them for his glory. Under the direction of God's own loyal son, they will have a further part from heaven. In clearing God's name of reproach as he brings this present wicked system of things to its end. All right, so that's their their purpose. They're going to rule over this paradise earth. And when did this rule start? Well, for Jehovah's Witnesses, they place a lot of significance on the year 1914, and that is a whole big episode all to itself of how they came up with 1914. But supposedly Jesus began reigning as King of Heaven in 1914. 
Um, but there there are still people today who are professing to be part of the 144,000. So I guess they just get to go, you know, take their throne once they die. Um, so Jesus is reigning, but the whole 144,000 hasn't quite been fully assembled yet. I guess there there's a lot you know when you really dig down into this there's a lot of logistics that are are problems for Jehovah's witnesses um their their end time um philosophy or their their end times belief they've they've predicted that Jesus would come back and it would be the end of everything over and over and over again, and they keep having to change their dates. And so when when a lot of these prophecies and th- teachings were first coming out for Jehovah's Witnesses, you know, with 1914, it wasn't really that much of a problem. But the more and more we get away from 1914 and the second coming of Christ has not come yet, it they have to kind of rearrange their teaching a little bit to to try to still support some of the things that were taught earlier. All right, so it is a it is an issue for them, and it's one that you could eventually dig down into if you're you know have some time with the Jehovah's Witness. But their belief about the hundred forty four thousand is not like the first thing I would jump into if you if you have you know one or two conversations. All right, now the other group, if you're not part of the one hundred forty four thousand, the other group is called the Great Crowd, and this is where the majority of uh, believers will be okay, and they're on this paradise earth, and so the where they get this from is they they say you know the the one hundred forty four thousand is this little flock, but then there's everybody else, and so a verse they use to try to support this view is John ten sixteen. Jesus says, "And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice." So there will be one flock and one shepherd. So Jehovah's Witnesses say the other sheep here are actually the great crowd. Now, I do not think that this is a great interpretation of this verse. It, it's taking Jehovah's Witness theology and sort of shoving it, shoving it in there. Um, I looked at Christian commentary after commentary, and it seems like the general consensus is that Jesus is talking about Jew and Gentile here when he's talking about these two different sheepfolds, and he's going to bring them together so that there is one flock and one shepherd. This agrees a whole lot more with just a general theme in the New Testament of the Jew and Gentile being brought together and and are one in Christ. Um, so a, a verse to, to touch on that, Galatians 3, 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek. Uh, Greek could also be Gentile there. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And as a side note, this is not a gender fluidity uh, support verse, okay? Um, so I'll just leave it at that. So if you're not part of the 144,000, you're part of this great crowd, okay? Now, who are part who are the 144,000? We don't know exactly. The the Jehovah's Witnesses, they track the number of people who uh, claim to be part of that group, but it is a secret calling between that person and Jehovah. So people don't, it, it's sort of a discreet thing. Uh, people don't really walk around, like you're not going to go to the, your local kingdom hall and there's like these special group of people who are sitting, you know, alone and they're they're part of the, the 144,000. It's, it's not really talked about a whole lot um, as far as people proclaiming that they're part of this group. It's a, it's a private revelation between that person and Jehovah. And then the only way that 
people ever really come out and say that they're they're part of this group, they're, that they you know believe that they are part of the 144,000, is every year Jehovah's Witnesses get together and and that's when they celebrate communion. So every year around Passover time, they the this worldwide they get together and celebrate communion, and they have unleavened bread and red wine. And get this. The overwhelming majority of people, and we're talking about worldwide, the overwhelming majority of people never take the bread or the wine. They simply pass it along. They never partake of the bread and wine. The only people that are supposed to partake of that are the people who are the 144,000. So obviously, if someone, if, if you're passing it along and nobody's taking it, and then a person reaches in and grabs the bread and, and drinks the wine, then they are saying, that that's their coming out, okay? They're, they're saying, I am part of the 144,000. And the number of people who partake are counted. Their names are, are not necessarily recorded, but the number uh, are counted, and, and that's been recorded. And I mentioned that there's some logistical problems and there are certainly because again the further and further we we move along in church history you know that that 144,000 number is is dwindling down there's not enough room for all the people that are saying they they're part of this now the the way around that for Jehovah's witnesses is they say some people are just in error in thinking that they're part of the 144,000 and you know they they trust that Jehovah knows that number perfectly and he and there may be some people that are so humble that they won't even take of the bread and wine, even though they are truly part of the one hundred forty-four thousand. So they, you know, they just trust that Jehovah's going to work all those the number issues out. All right. Um, so that's how you would know if someone uh, is professing to be part of that group. All right. Now, here's the here's the issue. This is what's so sad to me. I, and again, I don't think your specific belief on who are the one hundred forty-four thousand determines whether you go to heaven or hell, okay? Um, so even even amongst, you know, biblical Christianity, Protestant Christianity, there's some different views on how to interpret that number. Um, but the sad thing is that many of the verses in the New Testament, which, which Christians just find comfort in, that talk about who you are in Christ, many of those no longer apply to the majority of believers, according to Jehovah's Witnesses. So basically, all of the passages about you being chosen by God, all of those things are talking about just the 144,000. So some some really key passages here that I'll mention that just don't apply to the majority of believers. Ephesians 1, um, and I'll just read verses 9 through 12, because these are the specific verses that are cited on jw.org to be applying to the 144,000. Here's the verse. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. So that's the 144,000. Um, along those same lines, Romans 8, 15 and 16 says this, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. 
the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And again, according to this Watchtower article, these children of God, that's only the 144,000. So I just think this is sad for Jehovah's Witnesses who are reading the Bible, knowing that they're very likely not part of this 144,000. All these verses, they're just reading through and they don't apply, it doesn't apply to them. Um, one of the one of the key ones is the the bride of Christ passages are only the one hundred and forty four thousand. So in Revelation twenty one two, the the verse says, "And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband." Um, so this one is is probably the most shocking for me. Christians cling to this next verse I'm going to read to, um, and it's full of bride and groom language. John 14, 1 through 3, Jesus says, "'Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms,' or mansions may be a, a translation you're familiar with. "'If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And again, that is only for the 144,000. So it's just just sad to me that that um, they read their Bible and most of the verses don't apply to them anymore. All right, um, so that's kind of a an overview of what Jehovah's Witnesses believe about the 144,000. And I think it's important that that we, you know, when you're talking to people of other religions, that you research what they believe and and try to represent them as accurately as, as possible. So that's why I spend a lot of time on jw.org. Um, or like, you know, when I was talking about Roman Catholicism, I read the Council of Trent and the, the Roman Catholic Catechism and um, just, you know, read some books on the Mass written by Roman Catholics and and spent a lot of time on the um, Catholic answers. So, you know, you're, you're trying to get in the minds of the people that you're talking to um, so that you, you better understand the similarities, and but also the differences between what you believe. Now, this is just a fun part here. Um, what do I believe about the actual, you know, what's my interpretation of who the 144,000 are? There's two basic schools of thought. There's the literal interpretation and the symbolic interpretation. Now, in some things on this podcast, in previous episodes, I've been pretty dogmatic about it. Um, but this one is certainly, you know, I'm, I'm open-minded, and <laughs> and if someone differs from me, you know, so be it, because there, there's there's a lot of really smart, you know, Bible-believing Christians who disagree on this, all right? And so, um, so currently, and I reserve the right to change my mind, but currently, I think, I, I lean towards more of a symbolic interpretation of the 144,000. So the literal, the literal interpretation is pretty simple to to figure out, right? Uh, Revelation 7, 4, and I heard the number of the sealed, 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel, okay? So literally, uh, the and probably the majority of American Christians would take this to be that this is going to be 144,000 Jews from the 12 tribes of Israel who are going to be saved during the seven-year tribulation, 
and these 144,000 Jews will be set apart from the, the rest of the wickedness that's going on in, in the world at that time, all right? Um, and so that's, you know, the, little, the literal interpretation does not take much time to explain. It's just, it's right there. The number is there, the sons of Israel um, is there, and the 12 tribes are listed, 12,000 from each tribe. So that's, that's a fair interpretation, and again, that's why I'm open-minded and, and not super dogmatic. Um, but... So you may be thinking, why in the world would anybody interpret this symbolically? Now, first off, there are a lot of symbols in Revelation. So it's not unreasonable to step back and say, what if John is using this language symbolically? Okay, so that's that's not an unreasonable thought, okay? And I'll link a YouTube video um, that that covers this in, in a little more detail, but let me just give you a, f- a few things here. First off, the, the 12 tribes that are listed, this tribe list, the names in this tribe list are different than any list found in the Old Testament, and the tribe of Dan is excluded. So, uh, you know, originally the, the national, you know, the, the, the sons of Israel, another name for Israel would be Jacob, the sons of Jacob. Dan is one of those sons. And so if this was to be taken literally as the, the 12 tribes of Israel or the 12 sons of Jacob and the, the people who came from those tribes, then why is Dan not in there? Now, there's, this is a whole black hole. There's lots of different thoughts on, on why Dan is not in there. Uh, but anyway, what I'm trying to say is that this list, is there's something different about this list. And so is John trying to be symbolic here? That's, you know, that's the argument. All right. Also, who is true Israel according to the New Testament? I've already mentioned this verse, but I'll give you a little bit bigger context. Galatians 3, 26 through 29. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you were as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. Skipping down to Galatians 6, verses 15 and 16, for neither circumcision, and circumcision is talking about uh, the Jews, counts for neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, that would be a, a, talking about the Gentiles, um, so for neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them, and upon, listen to this, the Israel of God. So so there, this is a massive theological debate, okay? Um, is Israel in the New Testament actually talking about the church, or is it talking about still the national political uh, Israel, the you know people that are literal descendants, blood descendants from the twelve sons of Jacob? Okay, and so you know there's certainly some verses in the New Testament that would suggest that the true Israel is all those who are in Christ. So in a way, Jesus is the fulfillment of Israel, and then the people who are united in Christ, whether you're Jew or Gentile you are the true Israel of God, okay? So that's one way to take a lot of those passages. So in back to Revelation 7, when John's talking about the 144,000 and Israel, the, the sons of Israel, is he being symbolic there for this 
this new Israel, this the the true uh, Israel by faith that are descendants of Abraham um, and the Israel of God. Okay. Now another argument for symbolic interpretation would be that in Revelation five, John hears about the lion of the tribe of Judah who is worthy to open the scroll, but then John sees a lamb standing as though it had been slain. So you have two symbols here. John hears about a lion, but he sees a lamb. Now you have two symbols, but both of them are talking about the same thing. That, That would be Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the lion of the tribe of Judah, and he is the lamb. He's the lamb of God who takes the sin, uh, sin of the world in John 1 29. So um, so here, there, this is symbolic language, obviously, the lion and the lamb, and it's talking about Jesus. And remember, John hears about the lion, he sees the lamb. So similarly, when we skip down to Revelation 7, just two chapters later, John hears about 144,000 being sealed, but then John sees a great multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language. And so just like the lion is a good way to describe some of the aspects of Jesus. He's king of kings, and the the lion's the king of the jungle. He's powerful and strong and to be feared, but then he's also the lamb of God, and and the lamb with obvious Old Testament sacrificial system um, symbols there pointing to Christ. So in in the same way, you have this specific number, this 144,000 who are sealed by God, uh, but then you also have a vast number that no one can count. And so um, the lion and the lamb tell us about Jesus. The 144,000 and the great multitude are telling us about the church, the, the true believers. It's a specific number. Um, in, in John 10, Jesus is the good shepherd, and he knows exactly who his sheep are. In John 6, 37 through 39, I won't read, well, let me go ahead and read it. All that the Father gives me, this is Jesus talking, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. So there you have a specific group that all that the Father gives me, there's a specific group that the Father gives the Son, and and then it says, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. And so there's a specific group given by the Father to the Son, and Jesus perfectly saves all of those people. He loses nothing, okay? And then, you know, he, I, I've already mentioned he's the good shepherd who knows all of his sheep in Acts 13, 48. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. Listen to this phrase, and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. So the, it's very clear from Scripture that there is a specific group of people that God knows will be saved. And so that is what the 144,000 is symbolically telling us, that God knows specifically who will be saved. But at the same time, it's going to be this great multitude. He's a powerful Savior. And so John sees this great multitude from every tribe, people, and language, and, and so it's two symbols, both telling us about the church. So that would be the symbolic interpretation. Again, if you're just like, you know... Uh, hitting the dashboard of your car as you're listening to this and you're just angry at me, then I'm sorry, you know, shoot me an email because I know this is a big theological 
topic. And I'm very open-minded. It's not like we're, we're going to have a big argument on this because there are good arguments um, from, from both sides, okay? So uh, anyway, I hope that was a fun little segment for you. Now, in conclusion, just to sum up, make sure that you define terms when you're talking to people of different religions so you're not talking past one another. And also know that true Christianity, there is such joy and hope from God in the Bible. And and when you're talking to a Jehovah's Witness, there, people that have come out of that religion, um, there's a there's an episode on a podcast called Cultish where they they speak to a Jehovah's Witness or an ex Jehovah's Witness. People that come out of that, they reflecting back, they just they all say they they just have this general um, idea of just it's just a burdensome life to live. Um, and that burden is lifted when they when they really understand the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that's what you hopefully will be able to share with Jehovah's Witnesses. That that you know all these verses, all these beautiful verses that they think only apply to the one hundred forty four thousand actually apply to all you know true believers. Um, so so the, the there's hope and joy, and and hopefully you can express that accurately when you're speaking to them. So I hope this was an encouraging episode for you. Now, in closing out, I usually close with a Bible verse, and this song is right out of Psalm 46. So just consider Psalm 46 as being our our closing verse today. But here's my favorite of the, the new released album by Thief to King. It's called Come Behold. So may the Lord bless you. And here's here's a reminder to turn it back to 1X if you're listening to me at a faster speed. Okay, have a great day. Come behold the wondrous word of the Lord who reigns on high. Oh, be still and know that he is God, our fortress he will be. Our refuge and our strength, a very present aid. Therefore, although the earth gives way, will not be afraid. Though mountains move into the sea, waters rage and foam. Although the hills may quake and
Oh, be still and know that he is God, our fortress he will be. Yes, our fortress he will be. Our fortress he will be.